0: If you love classics like we do, then you're going to love what our friends over at Best Classics Ever are giving away this month. Through December 30th, they're giving away Amazon Fire streaming sticks, free
1: 30 day, 60 day, and annual subscriptions. Plus, one grand prize winner is going to get a lifetime subscription. You can enter to win on the Best Classics Ever Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages, or you can enter at bestclassicsever.com. And if you go
0: there, be sure to check out episodes of our show, The Matinee. Streaming free in their Hollywood Canteen section.
1: Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week we preview and review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course our fellow critics and podcasters. The Nomcast is available on nomcastpod.com or wherever you get your podcasts, on the socials at nomcastpod, and is a part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Uh, that's a raccoon, yo. What, what are you doing? Feeding the raccoon. <laughs> to trash panda. When <laughs> <laughs> the three burglars thing happens. Oh, and they're all singing the same line. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. No Notice, Jeb, that when they put their hats on, I'm not going to be able to see facial expressions. So that's on you, man. That's on you. Okay. Camera rolling. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Can I get an interview about uh, Betsy's wedding? No. Anything but that. Anything get with lost. That? Anything but that. Get my hat.
1: Hi, I'm Mike Phil. And I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that for a variety of reasons was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie or perhaps don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of 100 episodes for your listening pleasure. What's up? Nothing. I'm going to just try to remember how to do this thing. (laughs) For those who don't know, because why would you know? Because we have a new episode every week. We have been in a three-week hiatus because Butler decided to go down south. Florida. Uh, Did you get a COVID test, by the way? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's not funny. People are dying. That's not funny. (laughs) Uh, So anyways, yeah, we uh, we haven't been recorded in a while. And so this is going to be, I don't know, this might be a bad episode. So yeah. Putting the training wheels back on. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure we'll be fine. Although I was thinking, I wonder if we should just do a canned generic opening and just, we don't have to keep doing it I know we like doing it live, but I'm wondering if we have graduated to now making that just kind of like a canned opening. No? You don't, yeah. you don't like that? I don't I know. I know. I, it's, hey, I'm tossing it out there. I'm tossing it out <laughs> there live or whatever. Recorded, I guess. Talking
0: about, talking about this pre-recorded. I'm calling you out, Butler. <laughs>
1: canned responses it is. Well, obviously, you are listening to this in December. It's uh, The holidays are coming up. Christmas next week, I believe. Uh, I'm not sure when Hanukkah is this year. Is it? Are we in the middle of it? I don't Christmas know. Christmas is coming, we're probably... In it close to it, hmm. interesting. Well, no, not usually. Uh, no, it's late, it is late. It starts on the 29th. Wow, oh, November 29th. Excuse me. No, it's early. Oh, so then you've already, you already celebrated Hanukkah. You happy go. Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah, everybody. Um. Uh, all right. So, um, what are we doing this week, Butler? We are doing nobody's fool and you
0: might get confused because apparently there are like five nobody's fools uh we are doing specifically the 1994 paul newman nobody's fool
1: there's a hard rock song from the 80s nobody's fool i don't know who sings it cinderella no striper no god no i don't know but there's a song nobody's fool (laughs) too yeah but anyways god yes we're doing nobody's fool from 94 what's it about a stubborn man played by paul newman
0: Past his prime reflects on his life of strict independence and seeks more from himself after reconnecting with his son and grandson. Sorry,
1: my chair's creaky. (laughs) Uh, See, now even the chair's not used to being sat in, although I did sit in it for three weeks. I don't (laughs) get why. Okay, so Nobody's Fool has a runtime of 110 minutes. It's rated R, production budget of $20 million. Remember $20 million movies? Uh, It has two release dates, so I'll try to be quick with the releases. It has a limited release date of December 23rd, 1994. So it is clearly a Christmas film that came out in '94 for Oscar run and has a wide release date of January 13th, 1995. So, you know, depending upon where your theater is located. Uh, whether you're near Metrop- uh, like New York City or L.A., right. you may have seen it out on the 23rd. We probably had it at the theater at the 23rd. Well, you wouldn't be there. Uh-uh. <laughs> Honestly, back then I was working at the fourplex, so no, we did not show Oh, and did we have this movie? Orange probably had this movie, regardless of that. Um, most people probably didn't see it until January. So it's opening weekend, which was the Christmas, which was the 23rd limited release. It did $92,000. Uh, but it's wide release weekend. It did seven million dollars, and and worldwide and domestic were basically, if you round up, about forty million dollars. So it, it wasn't. It was just released in North America, uh, distributed by Paramount Pictures and Capella Films. So, like I said, on the twenty third was its limited release date. So those get ready for these Christmas movies that came out. Uh, we're gonna start. I'm not gonna start on the twenty third. I'm gonna start on the sixteenth, which is the week before, which is Dumb and Dumber, Speechless, Immortal Beloved, and in a limited release, Nell, Chickapay. Uh, on the, so, but here's the here are the rundown of the summer movies of that year. So the 21st of December was Richie Rich, which is the Macaulay Culkin film. Yeah. Little Women and Mixed Nuts, uh, which is with Adam Sandler and Steve Martin. Uh, the 23rd, which which is probably that Friday before Christmas is, or the Wednesday was Street Fighter, Death and the Maiden. Legends of the Fall, and then the wide release of Nell Chequerpay, and then the 25th <laughs> of Christmas is the Jungle Book. This is the Jungle Book, the live action, the live action, yeah. One, yeah, with the guy from Mortal Kombat as the main guy, I believe so. Yeah. A wide release of Little Women, IQ, which was the Meg Ryan is the granddaughter of uh, Einstein or something like that. Yeah, sure. You never saw that? No, I've also never seen Mixed Nuts with Steve Martin and Really? Adam yeah, Sounds this is when Adam Sandler was like first starting. Uh, Legends, of, oh, I'm sorry, Ready to Wear and Safe Passage. So it was already up against like, it's 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 just, and Christmas season, obviously, as we know, movies are just thrown out right, there. Right, yeah, a ton of movies. Yeah, I'm surprised that Street Fighter was a Christmas film. <laughs> for you, it was the most
0: important day of your life for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was Tuesday. <laughs>
1: yeah. Rod Julia, he just, I uh, just. Choose up the scenery in that movie. So awesome. So on this movie's wide release date, which is the 13th of January, it went up against Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. The good one. Not Bordello of Blood, but Demon Knight. Bordello of Blood is, Bordello of right. Blood is not good. It's stupid. I, Listen, I wanted it to be good because I liked Dennis Miller <laughs> back in the day. I mean, he's fine now, but um, it's not good. Demon Knight's good. I got to rewatch Demon Knight. I've only seen it like once. And really? Bordello of Blood is on TV all the time. Good. That's because uh, Angie Everhart is, you know.
0: Yeah scantily clad in that but demon knight's good i I can't believe it i liked it i like demon knight i just also kind of like bordella blood in (laughs) some
1: cheesy way it's not good man
0: it's not oh it's not good it's like an episode of tales from the (laughs) Crypt.
1: uh you also had higher learning uh far from home and then the wide release of legends of the fall the week before you had it we had house guests there's not much a lot of once christmas season rolls around you you kind of lose out on um they don't want to get there yeah before. january yeah. is just kind of like a dumb month a little bit and then the 20th which was the the week after this wide, wide release of nobody's fool you had murder in the first bad company and sfw a lot of films. I apologize. That took too long. If you've if, if you if you've already moved on from our podcast, we'll see you later. <laughs> this is written for the screen and directed by Robert Benton. He won an Oscar for directing for Kramer vs. Kramer. He's also done Billy Bathgate and Feast of Love. He actually writes a lot of the movies that he does. He won, he won an Oscar for screenplay for Places in the Heart and again, Kramer vs. Kramer. He was nominated for writing for The Late Show and Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, this is based on a novel by Richard Russo. He's also written Empire's Falls chances are and everybody's fool so he's got a bunch of books out there this is actually i think this book came out though a year before this movie started getting made it was pretty quick everybody's fool is that a sequel i don't to know but he's i didn't look it up but i know that empire empire falls they did a movie and i think newman's in that too but i'm not sure hmm. cinematography by john bailey who's done the big chill my blue heaven and in the line of fire composer howard shaw excuse me howard shore apologize he's won an oscar for lord of the rings return of the return of the king and then lord of the rings Fellowship of the Ring, and he's been nominated for Hugo. Edited by John Bloom, who was not was who won an Oscar for editing for Gandhi. He was also nominated for a chorus line and The French Lieutenant's Woman. Produced by Arlene Donovan and Scott Rudin. Donovan has produced basically a lot of Benton's films. Nominated for Oscar for, I guess, Best Picture, because Places in the Heart was nominated, and then Nadine, Still of the Night. And then Scott Rudin has won an Oscar for producing No Country for Old Men, and he's also produced Social Network, amongst other things. Butler has already told you that Paul Newman is in this movie. He is playing Sully. I hope everyone knows who Paul Newman is. If you do not, he was in Road to Perdition, which is a movie we did. He's also in The Sting, which cast in The Sundance Kid. He won an Oscar for the movie... I'm pointing at Butler to see if he gets it. Uh, It was a sequel to a movie he was in back in the 60s. uh, uh, No, 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 no. The Big Chill. uh, Nope. Nope. The Big Chill. The Color Uh, of Money. The Color of Money. 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 Jessica Jessica Tandy in her last or her final role, because she passes away before this movie was released, uh, plays Miss Burl. She won an Oscar for Driving Miss Daisy. She was nominated for Fire Green to She's also in Cocoon and Batteries Not Included for those out there. Bruce Willis. Is acting in this movie. He plays Carl. <laughs> Carl Roebuck. It's from Die Hard Sixth Sense. And I have, this is my credit. Die Hard, The Sixth Sense, and various terrible VOD films. Wow. <laughs> he has a new one out now. Another sci-fi uh, one. I, re- I watched oh, the trailer for Bruce Melanie Griffith as Toby Roebuck, uh, Carl's <laughs> wife. She uh, was nominated for an Oscar for Working Girl. She's also in Milk Money and Body Double. Dylan Walsh as Peter. He's in Congo. He teaches his ape how to (laughs) sign. Apple, green drink. Uh, He's also on the TV show Nip Tuck. And he was in the remake of The Stepfather, where he plays the stepfather. Pruitt Taylor Vince as Rub Squeers, or they just call him Rub. I don't know why I have his last name here. He was in a movie we did uh, a while back, Constantine. He's also in Identity and uh, Young Mississippi Burning. He's young in that one. Uh, Gene Sachs as Worf, who's the lawyer of Sully's, who's Sully's lawyer. He's in The Odd Couple, IQ. And he directed Brighton Beach Memoirs, amongst other films that he has directed. Joseph Summer as Clive Peoples Jr. He is Jessica Tandy's Mrs. Burl's character's Carri- son. He's in *Strange Days*, the movie we did. Butler likes *Witness*, which is awesome, which I think we're doing this season, right? Yes, yeah. And *Dirty Harry*. Margot Martindale is Birdie. She's in *Table 19*, the TV show *The Americans*. Uh, she also in the movie *The Kitchen*. I think she was on a season of *Justified*. And then finally, a young Philip Seymour Hoffman, who basically looks like the character from. Uh, uh- <laughs> Uh, what's the movie with uh, Scent of Woman? Like like that same set scene where we're going to talk about. Oh it yeah, reminded me of Scent of <laughs> Scent of Woman. I uh, played off, Officer Raymer. Obviously, Philip Seymour Hoffman passed away recently, a couple years ago. He's also he's a Boogie Nights, and he's in The Master, which I suggest I recommend. It's very good. Okay. I blew blew through those because I got some feedback that we take too long, Butler. And I know I messaged you. And then I backed off because I was like, maybe we shouldn't do this. And I asked a couple of people about all the facts that we do. And, you know, people, people were complaining, but, you know, I think I was just being reactionary. I do. I I do like doing the fact. People complaining about doing the fact. Well, because, well, here's, here's my thing. Well, that's more of a cast. That's more of a cashy. Well, here's the thing. A lot of people that listen to our podcast probably know a lot about movies already. And I like to think that we do this podcast, not just for those people, because we do get into the film, but for people that are more of a casual film goer. I don't, you know, people that don't know about some of these people in the movie. So that's why I do a lot of those facts. Uh, So it's not just for the movie goer, the, the, the really hardcore aficionados Um, I know maybe that bores you. I apologize, but it's really for people that maybe don't know as much because nobody knows everything about films. There's a lot of people out there just, Hey, I want to watch this movie. Let's go. Right. Yeah. So, so that's why we do them now real quick. This movie was shot uh, November of 93 to March of 94 in one of the worst winters in New York state history, uh, which is because it snows a lot in the movie. As you can tell, it's also been nominated for two Academy Awards, best actor for Paul Newman and then Best adapted Screenplay for Robert Benton. Yeah, it didn't win. Um, I, I'm pretty sure you know who won the 95 Oscars uh, for 94 season. Do you know? Was that Gump? Yeah. No. Yes, it yes. is Gump. Okay. Because um, uh, Paul Newman was nominated for Nobody's Fool, John Travolta for Pulp Fiction, Tom Hanks for Forrest Gump, which he won, Morgan Freeman for The Shawshank Redemption, and Nigel oh. Hawthorne for The Madness of King George. That's a lot of... That's a strong category that year. You ain't beating Gump. Problem is that... <laughs> When he won Philadelphia, because he was when he won two two in a row. Mm-hmm. And when he won for Philadelphia, I, I think that was more about the role. It was more about what the movie was. was playing, what, yeah. yeah. Why he because why he won. And it, he and he deserves for Gump. But he, he gets nominated the next year for Apollo 13. And I thought he should have won for Apollo 13 as well, because he was really good in that. But, you know, what are you going to do? You're not going to give him three in a row, I guess. They'd give Meryl Streep three in a row. Did she win three in a row? <clears throat> I don't know. She's won like 18. <laughs> She has won a lot. Just an honor to be nominated. Okay. Butler has <laughs> never seen this film. I have seen this film. It had been a while since I saw this film. Never even heard of this film. Wow. Uh, so I'm curious what your first reactions are. I can give you my second reactions, but what what did you think of the film? Well, overall, I guess, or what's the first thing, uh, whatever, however you want to start. Uh,
0: It's okay. I think the message at the end is much better than the film at the, at its beginning. I think it begins very rote, very kind of generic. Um, but, where the latter half really kind of becomes, I I still wouldn't say like wholly original, but a little more interesting and a little bit more, has a little bit more depth to its story, especially in concerns with Sully's character. He's just a grumpy old man in Mm -hmm. any grumpy old man role that I've ever seen an aging actor play in any movie. Uh, But it becomes something more toward the end of it once you learn a little bit more about him, once his son becomes more in the picture. I started to get more interested in the movie. It's got a little bit more depth to it and you give some of the other side characters more time to shine than just following around Sully being this angry guy. Mm. But I do really enjoy the relationships he has with everyone. I thought that was interesting because even his like worst relationships with like uh, Roebuck and stuff like that are unique to film. You know, they're, they're enemies. They hate each other, but they always hang out. They always joke around. They have some kind of odd respect for each other that I found really interesting and engaging. And also, Paul Newman kind of elevates the role a little bit. So although it's a little generic, he's
1: he's still Paul Newman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, th- th- this movie... I don't know if this is the first film that we've done, but it might be more... It, it, we're, 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 we're probably talking single digits, but this film is, a, is not a plot-driven film. It's a character-driven movie. It's about yes. Sully. So right off the bat, you have to... Not you, but um, you have to understand that you're not getting while you may get semblances of a three act structure and you may get, you know, cl- you know, the climax and the, you know, and then kind of like the, the, the right, re- the journey of the, of the hero. It's more about, um, Sully. It's more about this character's growth, um, in terms of how you start off in the beginning when you meet him, I know you call him grumpy, but he's somebody who has a lot of regret and a lot of anger for, uh, a lot of various things in his life, which we'll talk about uh, decisions that he has made and stuff that has happened to him. That is has turned him into somebody who really doesn't think that he deserves a happy ending or doesn't just des- deserves to be uh, content. Right. Um, and then as the movie goes along, you, you, you towards the end, what you're talking about the ending, you, you do kind of get that. Uh, but it's also when you talk about Robo or Carl's character, uh, Bruce Willis's character, I, I don't think that they're, they don't get along. They do when they don't. Right. It's about small town living. It's just about these group of people. They live in a town. Um, this is a, so this is, it's called North Bath, New York, but it's a, it's a made up town. It's based on Boston Spa, New York, which is in Saratoga, Saratoga, Saratoga County, excuse me. Uh, it's where the uh, the writer of the book Russo grew up, but Boston Spa is overshadowed by Saratoga Springs, maybe. Yeah it's overshadowed by a bigger town. Right. So it's kind of just a small town, close-knit group of people that just kind of exist. And I think North Bath is supposed to be that same thing. That type of town where it's just these people, they don't all get along. They're all just, not not that they're trapped there, but they're all living in a small town life. And even though they may not, they disagree or the, the stealing of the snowblowers that they're doing right. this thing, like they're still, Family, almost. Right. You know what I mean. Small town living is a very. I think was worth. The lawyers say he. uh, Does he the one that say he likes small town life, or he makes he makes a comment about it? The pharmacist guy says it. Oh, Um, right, right.
0: What's his name? Jocko. Yeah, Jocko says. Oh man, I love. We'll have small town. What
1: other small town would let a guy out of prison
0: just, just to funeral. just to be a pallbearer at a funeral? Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so that, that that that's I think that's also what you have going on here is just it's a snapshot of of life in a small town in upstate New York during yep. a winter. Um and right off the bat I appreciate that because it's you don't, it's not a lot of stuff you you see. We don't see this a lot of times. Although I am reminded of beautiful girls. I was
0: going to say it's yeah. a, a lot of beautiful girls is that kind of small town. It's the writer's town he grew up in. Yes. It's snowy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And For beautiful. Sure. Yeah. And we, we did beautiful girls. Which is similar
0: because that's not a real three act, normal three act structure either. It's about the growth of these characters.
1: And that's more of like a, it's almost, I don't want to say it's a coming of age story, but it's almost like a coming of adult older age story yeah yeah, yeah. it's like that so, and we did beautiful girls last year no last season season before we did a couple well, seasons last year ago. but yeah uh two or three seasons ago. Yeah. yeah um so yeah but i think there's a lot more <laughs> beautiful girls has a lot of stuff that's it's a lot of great lines that are funny uh it, it's it's mined for laughs in terms of just the existence of the characters it's there definitely is, like a
0: dramedy or something right. yeah
1: This is more of a, there's just comedy elements in this, but there's more drama in this film. But I just think there's a lot more earnest, earnestness in this film. I really, this is the second or third time I've seen this. I really like, obviously, this is like a a no brainer, but I really like Paul Newman in this film. What? You like Paul Newman in this? He is, he is awesome in this movie. I say Paul Newman, some kind of like good actor. He is, because he makes it so (laughs) easy he just, it, so I'm going to read a quote from Roger Ebert when he reviewed the film. This is a straight quote. And when I read it and the reason why I copied it down, cause I was like, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. I've been watching Paul Newman in movies all my life. He is so much, he is so much a part of the landscape of modern American film that sometimes he is almost invisible. He does what he does with simplicity, grace and a minimum of fuss. And so I wonder if people even realize what a fine actor he is. And I think about, yep. yeah. And I think about the scene, in the car when he's telling his son about his father. Uh, right? He's telling us he's yeah, he's mm-hmm. telling his son about how his father would come home. He was a mean drunk. He would just talk about how he in their front of his old childhood home. Child home. And yeah. he's telling the story in such a matter-of-fact way, but there is so much emotion and there's so much pain behind the way he's saying it that you can see it and he's not showing it because he doesn't want to show his son but he's just kind of like it is what it is kind of thing and it's it's, real right there's exactly there's so many layers going on in that moment and the way newman is doing it it's like he's not acting you know what i mean by not looking for the oscar he's earning the oscar yeah because
0: you could easily go, go farther. And, oh man. Now, so Paul Newman's having a breakdown. This guy who was so hardened before is like, and then my father, and he, and like you could really mind that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you'd be like, all right, that's some good emotion. I mm-hmm. guess give him the Oscar, but he holds it back like his character should. Yeah. And just matter of factly kind of tells it with that emotion behind it.
1: Right. And it, and it, I think when you watch it, I don't, and I think people may, if they're not invested into it, I think they're going to miss it. Uh, in terms of what he's doing, but what he's doing on screen is like, is ridiculously good. And it's, it, that's one of the reasons why I, when I first saw this film back in the day, I really liked it. And I, maybe I didn't understand why I really liked it. I just knew that he was really good. And I really, and it right. was, uh, you know, Bruce Willis being in this film was, was a surprise. And I was like, I liked him in this movie. Oh, you know it's great. I mean? Him playing a very different character. This is in the middle of him doing the diehards. Yes. This is
0: big time Bruce Willis. And his, he's playing, a smaller role and he's such a dick and it's just (laughs) like he's really good and i love the scene when carl makes sully take him into the victorian home his old childhood home and sully starts having his little breakdown Mm -hmm. and carl keeps talking and even carl can tell even though he's also busting sully's balls like oh man the sully this is like a sully i've never seen yeah and it but it's his breakdown even his breakdown is so muted Mm -hmm. it's very much just he's in his head you can tell
1: all these scenes are playing mm-hmm. in Paul Newman's mind, but we don't get to see any of that. Yeah. And to Willis, so this is 95, excuse me, 94. He pro- did, when did Die Hard with Avengers come out? This is 95, right? 95, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, he, so he's commanding about 15 million a movie right now. That's what, the note that I have is that he took a pay cut to appear in this film. He took scale $1,400 a week to be in this movie.
0: I figured he must have, cause he probably did it cause Paul Newman's in it. Oh, well he, had he a movie with Paul Newman. they
1: didn't, yeah. They didn't put him in the credits. They didn't put him in the opening credits because, uh, because he was an action star. So he's kind of uncredited when it first came out. Uh, and they, cause they didn't, they didn't want people to uh, get me to turn people off. They just, to, what the expectation of the film was. I can see that. But yeah, no, I mean, it, I don't think, I don't think anybody doubt Willis can act. Nobody doubts that. Cause I've seen him in other stuff, you know, it's just now he just doesn't, it's more about let's make my money. He we, doesn't care. We, yeah. And that's fine. But you know, he's, a, he was, he was good in this movie. He was a great like foil to Newman in terms of giving him shit all the time. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. The, the whole, the whole idea about, you know, them stealing the snowblower Cause the reason why Newman is, he steals uh, Carl snowblower, uh, Sully. Because Sully keeps suing Carl, because Sully was working off the books and he fell off a scaffold, right. But messed his knee up. messed his knee bad. up. because He's suing Carl for money that he owes him. But Carl's like, you won't work unless it's off the books. So you can't, you know, you can't yeah. turn around and try to sue me when you're walking off the books. Stuff like that. So and then he keeps taking jobs off the book even after that. Right.
0: <laughs> what job you get?
1: Yeah. So, but then that's so he owes him money. So he's stealing a snowblower because you know he owes him money. But they keep stealing the snowblower back and forth, back and forth. forth. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. Which is funny. Uh, it's nice little moments. Nice little like tit for tat between them. But then they're playing cards all the time in the back room of the right. of the iron house. Or iron Horse bar. I love the scene when um uh Hattie has passed away and they're they're
0: carrying the casket and the uh what's it Peter's stepfather, who they have given the snowblower to mm-hmm. to hide in the garage, but according to Peter's stepfather, it was because they did a nice thing given stuff. They're walking away and goes, you know, that step blower the snowblower that I was keeping in my garage, it just disappeared. <laughs> and you can hear Carl laughing and stuff <laughs> going toward the thing. I was
1: like, that's a good one. Well, he he says, uh, I, you can hear it because Sully says to him, uh, oh, oh, don't worry, I, I know where it is. I know and, like, you it's hear Carl's it's like, not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> but that, yeah. So like in the Hattie character that Butler's talking about is a is the mother of the woman that owns the diner, and she always she has dementia and she always gets out and gets loose. And so uh there's a scene where, you know Sully's gotta go. Sully yeah, Sully lives with a former teacher. Jessica Miss Burrow is a teacher. Jessica Tandy's character. Jessica yeah. Tandy, and she um she has a like a it's she basically has a home. Not a home, a boarding house. Because right. the whole reason why what's his face goes over there to stay over when Carl gets kicked out of his house, when his wife kicks him out of the house, we'll get to all that. Mm he goes to stay at the boarding house. And that's why. And then you see Sully seeing him and Sully puts the blanket on him because he's sleeping on the couch and, yeah. and whatnot. But anyways, so Sully Sully stays at the boarding house and Burl sees Hattie walking down the street. So Sully runs out and grabs her, brings her back. And then he like, he starts working over, the, he starts working he's at the diner. He works at the diner, yeah. yeah it's just, you know, right it's, it's, it's small town living, you know?
0: Well, you also get the feeling that like Sully does so many odd jobs for so many people that he just knows everybody in the town and everybody respects him. And you start to learn over the course of the movie this, the whole movie is about Sully's independence and that Sully doesn't have a care in the world. But the truth is that Sully takes care of the town. Mm-hmm. He's like the unsung hero of the town. Well,
1: he's the fa- he's the father of the town because he wasn't a father to his son.
0: Right, yeah. So you find out like when he's going off to jail after he punches out Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, Officer Raymer, <laughs> he tells Peter, you know, Peter walks him to the police station, you know, make sure you t- uh, go in, check on Miss Burrell, make sure, you know, you go don't, don't give, have Carl not give you any crap. Make sure you go to the diner make sure that all this happens. He goes, it's not easy being you, is it?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he goes,
0: well, I messed up a bunch at first when I was young too, but uh, I learned.
1: Yeah. So you find out in the beginning of the story that uh, Sully walked out on his family, left his son, left his wife and left his son. Cause he just, he was no good. He said he wouldn't, you know, it would be better if he wasn't there. Right. Um. And uh, his son, Peter, Dylan Walsh's character is, come, is his the wife still lives in town or lives out i guess she lives in town i think she lives in town yeah but they don't they don't live in the same circles uh sully and his ex-wife um peter's coming back for thanksgiving with his with his wife and his two kids whacker and <laughs> will and whacker yeah his son's name's whacker and you know it's because he hits people all the time <laughs> and um so but, but you know peter the son's character is having problems with his wife and but I don't, I guess, I don't know what the inciting incident would have been, just the fact that he sees him, but then Sully, you know, sees his grandson, his grandson hides in the truck because he he invites him over for Thanksgiving and there's a problem and he comes back and, you know, he just kind of, he just starts kind of getting into Peter's life a little bit. And I actually liked... Because I thought I was waiting for like the moment where Peter would just let him have it about how he left and Well, that's what I love. Peter regrets that he never had a relationship with his father, but
0: if he doesn't have that moment where he hates it, so he has has already reached the point where he kind of understands his father. Right. Like I think he regrets and he asks why you left, but he kind of understands why he left his family, why Mm -hmm. he ran away. Because I feel like Peter respects and admires Sully's quote unquote. Independence. Well, I think Peter wants to know his
1: dad. Yeah, but, but it's but, very but, different from most movies that would have this. Kind I, of Peter wants to know his father. He wants to know Sully. I think he's already been raised by he because he calls his stepfather Pop. Pops. Yeah, so he's already been raised by, and, and they're all friends. You know, it's just it's it yeah, is like that. Pop also likes Sully. Yes. It's only the wife that doesn't really like him. Right, right. Um, you, you get the idea that we're missing some stuff with with the mother uh with Sully's ex wife because you can tell like she's like she tries to be like put on airs and like the every, right every, yeah. You, you kind of but you I think you were missing a little bit there it's probably more in the book um, I think that Peter says you know I've already you know you were never there I've I already I already know that you know I've already he go, oh, yeah when I, Sully I talks that, about his yeah. past
0: as well when he talks about how his father used to beat his mother all the time and that's why right. left, it was
1: no good he didn't be I swore
0: I'd always uh, I'd always fucking hate him for the rest of my life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, for doing what he did and then he's like just like you will come to one day and yeah. Peter goes I already did I already said that Because you already left me.
1: Yeah, what I think, like almost like Sully being a father to to Peter at one point in this movie is when Peter's basically almost giving up on his marriage. He's you know they can't they can't he lost his job because they were laying people off. He was a professor, and I and you know you find out that he put himself through college by being a handyman. So he's just like Sully a little bit, knowing how to fix things, Um, and he's almost resigning to himself to the fact like oh I got an apartment, I got a place. It's really weird how they're just like. You know they're gonna split up, and Wacker's gonna go with mom. And I thought that Rose's was gonna, splitting uh, up the kids was really weird. That was weird, um, and how it was so matter of fact. And he's almost resigned to the fact that, yep, we're, I think we're done. And yeah. Sully tells him, "Call your wife." And he was just, and he's like, because it was New Year's Eve, right? And he's like, he's like, call your wife. And he's just like, well, Daddy goes like, call him. Don't be stupid. Call. And so I think that's the first time that Sully's like, you know, being that, that father, kind of thing, yeah, yeah, being like, don't. You're not gonna be like me. Be like pop, be like you know be a you a know, decent person, right, yeah. so you get the idea that he helps him get his uh you know just start to get his marriage back together, right, which I thought was really it was a really nice moment it's almost like it's almost like Sully becomes for Peter what he has already become for the entire town and what he does for everybody else in town. Right. And it was almost like foreign for him to do it for somebody who was related to him. Maybe like we talked about like him now is to make up for what he did that one decision that he made when he left Um, and now he can now that you've come full circle and he can actually do everything that he's been doing that he never did for his son but he can actually do it for his son which was nice which 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 is maybe when Sully's so luck turns around, kind of "quote unquote" luck turns around. Yeah, because then he I mean? finds
0: out, you know, he bet on the his son bet on the races he always bet on. Right, the trifecta. The yeah, although he doesn't win a lot of money. I thought it was like supposed to be life changing money. It was only fifty eight hundred dollars. Well, it might even less life changing money
1: for uh, that's not a lot for a small town. He doesn't. What does he need? He doesn't need a lot. That's true. You know. So now we should talk about Toby. We so talked about everything else, but the Melanie Griffith character. She's there.
0: Yeah. They, they flirt. We see boob. I mean. <laughs> we see boob. And real nice. She's his temptation to an even easier way of living. She's the temptation to being what everyone imagines Sully to be. This carefree attitude, like going away together to Margaritaville kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what Sully, it seems as you're watching the movie, at least at first, that's the life he wants. That's the life he's been striving for. This carefree. Taking job by job living every day as it comes kind of attitude she's that temptation that he has to actually in the end avoid almost we'll learn that that's not what he wants
1: well it's not what he wants but i think he i think he knows that that's what she needs because toby is carl's wife and throughout the movie carl is cheating on his wife with the secretary and it's like the worst kept secret everybody knows about it and for some reason they're playing they're playing uh uh, at the end of the movie, they're playing poker and they're both naked. Toby and excuse me, Carl and the secretary. I don't know well, why it's a different lady. That's not the same lady. No, that's the same woman. That's that. It's not the same woman. That's yeah. That's the same woman. You sure that's Rosie? I'm pretty sure that's Rosie.
0: I don't think. Oh, whatever.
1: So, but it basically, a, yeah. she's
0: he's naked with a, a lady in
1: it again. I'm pretty sure it's Rosie. Anyways, and you know toby toby already knows toby's already there because she knows that that's where he is she's got the two tickets to hawaii and she wants Sully to take him i see i think that's almost like Sully was is is part of that but i think it's also that he knows that toby needs to go like toby needs to just oh toby
0: definitely needs to go yeah yeah that's and,
1: part of her art and yeah. and, the, and the and the and the marriage because it's not good and you know toby's uh uh doesn't need Carl, that kind of thing. Carl's never going to change. Right. Correct. Um, (laughs) I actually like the scene where she flashes him because he's that's a great reaction that he has exactly because he's he's basically like hey come on he's flirting with her a lot and he's being coy and he's being kind of like charming an older charm older man charm yeah so, and then she flashes them and it's almost like he can't process it because he's just like oh, she uh, called me out on it yeah, yeah
0: exactly <laughs> you know the uh, other section she wore a see-through blouse so and then she yeah goes flashes and he just goes huh
1: uh uh. (laughs) (laughs) exactly uh, he just can't he doesn't know how to respond to it and again that's just that's the beauty of paul newman because it's just like can anyone can anyone else do that without making it comical like it's not it's comical but it's it's not he's not trying to be funny
0: no it's very real in that he just doesn't know right it's funny that his his game has been upended yes he's just like uh um uh (laughs) (laughs)
1: Because <laughs> he doesn't know what to say. Uh, yeah. yeah, His only response is, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I was, I was, that came out of nowhere. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I do also like Carl is kind of maybe in like a, a sleazier way, a little bit like Sully. And Sully keeps trying to tell Carl, you're going to end up like me if you don't, if you keep going down this path, be with Toby, you know, mm. admit you were wrong, do all this stuff. He's almost like the opposite of Peter. He's another person who's kind of going off this journey that sully has regretted this life but unlike peter carl loses it carl doesn't get it carl doesn't learn or anything like that
1: well carl because he's a self-made man he's he runs what tip top tip tip top construction construction, he basically is the construction guy of the town although the whole subplot of um Oh, what was the character's Clive name Clive Junior? Yeah, Clive, Clive, yeah, Clive Junior, which was he's a banker. They call uh, Sully calls him the bank. Uh, he has a subplot where they're bringing. It's like a great adventure type place coming in. Yeah, and, and that he's got the bank to invest money and. You know, he's got a lot of people riled up for it. He's been doing and, a thousand acres of land or something like right, that. Right, the bank bought. Yeah, uh, ready to go. They're basically it's going to make the town a lot of money. The you know tourism, all that stuff, and the the place pulls for a different location. He's ruined. He leaves the town and like you hear later on, what's his face? Carl talks about how he's just lost out on all this property that he had bought. Right. Yep. Because he was going to renovate everything. He was going to and all this money now and he's he's in trouble Not in trouble trouble like he's going to you know, lose the company, but a lot of people he's like a lot he's people taking of taking a loss. Too, yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. And of course Clive Jr. has left his mother Miss Burl, mm-hmm. uh, alone now. Mm-hmm. So now Sully has to take care of her. Right. I mean I'm sure there's more to that. In the book, but the theme park angle of it, other than having Clive disappear, didn't really. It was almost just there to have Clive disappear. It didn't really seem to affect the town that much, other than that offhand remark from uh, Carl and from Clive, even on the on the phone to the other guys. Hey, this is gonna ruin the town, but you never really see it. Mm-hmm. You never really see that effect it has on anything.
1: Uh, yeah. I, well, it's it's It just
0: forces Sully's hand at having to take care of Miss Burl.
1: I think there's a lot of subplots and a lot of stories that didn't make it from the book to the movie. I think there's like, we haven't even talked about his best friend, Rub. You know, we even talked like there's a whole thing in there about how he's jealous of his son. His son comes back and he's jealous that his son's replacing Rub's position in his, in Sully's life. And Sully tells him, he's my son, but you're my best best friend. friend. Yeah. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. And, and so there's a, the whole stuff with Clive Jr., he only gets maybe three scenes. One of them is when he takes his mother Thanksgiving and you, you could tell she doesn't like his his BS. Right. Yep. And then he complains. There are two scenes where he's complaining about Sully being in the house. And he if wants you don't him let him leave, I'll make him leave. Right. You can't. It's your mom's house, dude.
0: Yeah. I never got
1: that. It's like, yeah. You got nothing you can do. And then you get the idea that, you know, if she has a, Miss Bro has a stroke in the movie. She doesn't want Sally to tell her son because she knows her son will use it as an excuse to put her in a home. So there's already a distrust there. So I think there's a lot of stuff going on uh, in in the book that we just don't get. And I, I almost, uh, I mean, I, I, you're not going to want a four-hour movie.
0: No, but there's and, a lot of characters that kind of get, yeah, there's, uh, I'm going to say a disservice, but they don't get expanded as much as it
1: should. Right, there's even like, even uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's uh, Officer say, Raymer's yeah. character, like he... He's so, he's like, she so gets out of the car. He's like so tough with him. I'm going to impound your car. And like, yeah. nobody takes him seriously. And then he's driving on the sidewalk and he sees and he's just like, turns the light skids, and he's just, and he like fires a shot. And, just, and, and like, I love that fact that he fires a gun and you can see the look on the face. Like, Oh my God, why did I fire that gun? And you know, Like
0: all that stuff. Like, did he just shoot at us? It appears he did.
1: Yeah. I love when they're in front of the judge and he tells him, he's like, did you fire your weapon off? And and he's just like it was a warning shot, sir. Yeah. Again, less is more. Yeah. A warning <laughs> shot to the old like the old lady in the oh, apartment his yeah. Yeah. sitting in her. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, what? and Philip's team like, I just it's uh, we're in America. And his <laughs> boss is like, Will you just shut, shut the, the fuck, fuck up? up. <laughs> <laughs> he he charges out.
0: So when someone throws a punch at you, what do you do? Yeah. Duck, sir? <laughs> or
1: maybe duck next. Time. <laughs> So there's I, there's a lot of stuff that there's just a lot of characters in this movie that, you know, we can't focus on. But they're, they're all, I think, interesting enough where I would love to know more. Maybe I should just go read the book and probably that probably would happen. But you know <laughs> what I mean? But like, you know, I just I don't think I – I really didn't have a problem with anything in this film. I know you talked about, you started off with a couple of things. We can go back to that. I just, I liked the atmosphere. I liked the setting. I liked the characters. I liked everybody in the movie. I didn't have a problem with it. I really didn't have a problem with anything. Once I understood that it was a character piece, Mm -hmm. I I don't, you know, I think there's a thing a switch in my brain. That's like, okay, stop, just relax and take it all in. So I'm curious, like if something else really popped out at you that you kind of turned you off or didn't like, or maybe you can go back to your original point. Uh, I think
0: most of the things I didn't like were kind of the beginning when you're the the way it's presented at the very beginning, which I get you kind of need at the end to kind of show, no, you were wrong. The the Sully you're presented at the beginning is actually kind of the rest of the town's view of Sully. And then you slowly realize, no, he's the town's father. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it kind of begins and you're just kind of like, oh, that's it's kind of very, like I said, very rote, very normal very generic that kind of curmudgeon grumpy old men a lot of the scenes are just kind of like straight-eyed grumpy old men they hitting on the younger lady with toby him being just grouchy all the time him trying to scam people out of money i was like i've seen this with walter mathau and jack lemon but as <laughs> as the movie goes it becomes something different um and i my first like when i started to like it I, my very first note was that they all have a very complex unique relationship and that's what makes it different from the, that kind of a movie
1: I mean, Aunt margaret is more age-appropriate for grumpy old men. And she oh, was, she definitely yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. is a little bit more age-appropriate. Yeah, it's
1: not quite as different I mean, there's as, nothing, there, as Toby. like, I never thought even that it would, Toby was any Toby kind was of attainable for him. Sully, yes. Yeah, no, even absolutely. when she, like, she brings the tickets. Yeah. You know, it's not, that's not really. She's making, yeah, she's making a, she's basically saying, I'm, I'm definitely out of this marriage. And, you yeah. know, absolutely. And then Carl doesn't,
0: doesn't fight for her. You got something to say, Carl? Yeah. And he kind of wants to, and then he goes no, because he knows he, he screwed
1: up. I mean, he well, he's sitting there naked with next to. Uh, I still think it's Rosie. Next I think it's a different girl, but it doesn't matter. Yeah,
0: it's the point is he's not going to change.
1: Yeah.
0: And so she's got to get out of there, even mm-hmm. if she is pregnant with his kid.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know how she's going to afford Hawaii, but.
1: <laughs> well, I'm. <sighs> yeah, that's true. That's that's a, that's a. I'm wondering like why I have that just to get them back together and to, I, I, in terms of why is she pregnant and all that stuff. And maybe they will get back together. I don't know. Who knows? Like that's the other thing. Like I, this movie, did this movie leave you wanting to see more of what goes on in this town? Oh, again, like we said with the other characters, I don't
0: know if it left me wanting more. Cause like you kind of get the idea that Sully now has a good relationship with the people he, supposed to be around he's kind of understood his role in life he's become a father to peter again peter has he's fixed peter's marriage a little bit so i don't think i needed more after the fact Mm -hmm. but i think i just need more with some of the characters i don't think a lot of the characters get the closure that maybe they deserve Mm -hmm. uh like Catherine dents on screen for two seconds as his wife peter's wife we talked about peter's mom is only on screen for a scene as well Mm -hmm. uh and raymer you don't get his his relationship with sully is just kind of like oh he's He's the cop that R- Sully always messes with. He's the Dukes of Hazzard uh, sheriff or something, basically. <laughs> boss log? Basically. Oh, not boss You, uh, Sully! Uh, it's just kind of like, okay. But other than and then that, I think that the movie does a very good job with Sully, which is the point of the movie. Mm-hmm. So I guess... I don't want more after the fact, but I wanted more within the movie. I mean, the movie is only, what, an hour 50? Eh, it's under two hours, yep. So, I mean, I could have gone another a movie like like this you could go another 20 25 minutes to two fifteen.
1: yeah see i would have been I, i'm not looking for a sequel but i am i maybe am everybody's fool <laughs> yeah i know maybe i am interested in just kind of knowing you know what happens next? Let's put it that way. Like it, it, these characters were intriguing enough where I wanted I would stay with them a little bit longer. But again, I'm not looking for a sequel because I because honestly, if you're doing a sequel, it's not going to really focus around Sully because you've already kind of given him his character arc. Sully would either have to not be in it at all or just kind of
0: a very very background character cameo. Well, like I, yeah.
1: I would imagine that. Yeah, he's he's visiting his. Uh, grandkids more he's you know he's involved a little bit more with his son yeah and, and they're, they're kind of like doing things together and, and maybe he's just you know i don't know will he ever fix his knee who knows um <laughs> i mean you're almost like you almost want to focus on either carl because i don't think his arc is finished you carl would have that would be the character that would go through the most change that's probably i think so I think, carl or yeah. raymer even uh, yeah, a uh, Raymer of probably not. I, th- I remember could be a subplot, but I think Carl was probably your next lead in that movie or in the next story for this, but you know, I hear you. Yeah, Bruce Willis is about uh, Paul Newman's oh, age. Oh no, I, well, I like met like back then, not now. Bruce Willis is not doing this movie. <laughs> If he only had, maybe if he works one day proof, a week. Yeah, prove prove that you hours. can act
0: again. Bruce, uh, come on. Yeah,
1: he's never gonna but also the
0: rest of this cast is dead almost. So geez. there's very few people you could still cast. The rest of this cast is dead. It's true. It's another one of those. Uh, not yeah. really. Really? Well, I know obviously Newman, Tandy, Sachs, Some, uh, no, Summer's still alive. Boss Philip Boskow, Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> I mean, that's that's quite a bit of the cast. <laughs> Alice Drummond Is actually still alive. Yeah, but she died in the movie. She did. (laughs) She's actually younger than Paul Newman when she's playing that older lady. Mm,
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Paul Newman. They say he's sixty in this film. He's sixty eight when he's filming it, though. Was he sixty eight? Yeah, I did the math. God bless him. Because when they said he's sixty, I'm like, he does not look sixty there. He looks older than sixty. And it was sixty eight. I go, okay, that's why. Yeah. God bless him.
1: All right. So I guess I mean maybe I should answer why it's forgotten. Why do you think it's forgotten, (laughs) Phil? Uh, cause I, I, like in what, in, in whose circles, like, like it's.
0: Explain to me why I never heard of it.
1: Because the drama, because you don't seek out films like this. You seek out.
0: I would have to seek out a film like this. So I'd have to seek it out. I'm so sorry, how would I like, know about because it? Because
1: I saw this. Listen, so bet in the, well, I first started working in the theater in 93, summer of 93. And. At that point, probably after I would watch anything that came out, I would watch any movie. I, I, when I started watching films, I watched films. Oh, I like that, you know, actor or I like that movie. But then I started following directors and started following writers. And this is probably before that a little bit, but I just would watch anything. Um, I like, I like movies that are set in small towns. I just like that kind of microcosm of the world. Um, it's a different type of world, a different type of uh, relationships between people and just kind of it's, it's, uh, for lack of a better term, it's real people, you know, kind of, you know, dealing with paying their bills, you know, you know, raising their kids, the stuff like that. Sure. Um, I've always liked Paul Newman, so that's probably why I watched the movie. I just don't. I think it's a movie that it's a it's a drama. It's not a. It's it's definitely. It's got a nice release date around the Christmas time. It's not a summer film. It's not a big. Film. I think yeah. I think its release date was perfect. Right. I think this is this is a film that is probably for a more mature audience. An older audience might appreciate a little bit more. I think even. Even now, I think... I may appreciate this film 20 years from now, a little bit better than I do now. uh, And I appreciate it more now than I did when I watched it uh, 20 years ago. So in the next 20 years, I'll let you know how it is. But um, it's just a film that probably it's, it's not of the time. Like it's not a nineties film. I think it's a timeless film. I think it's a film that I'd like to see more people watch. I'd like to see uh, more people like a TCM movie or like to see this on the criterion channel or something like that. I just think it's a strong film. I think it's a, it's a well-told story. That does what it needs to do. It, it presents it, it's a character piece. I just think a story, a like, character-driven story like this, this type of movie is not a movie that, unless it gets awards, unless it gets a lot of acclaim, like really, like it makes somebody a star out of the film. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, unless that happens, these type of films kind of just not they fade away, but they just kind of like go off to the side, and somebody will grab it. What about this film? Oh, that's a good movie. But like, we're getting to the point where like a lot of people have not seen Paul Newman in films, obviously, because he passed away. But like, it, you know, the, the more we go on here, 2030, 20, 2040, 20, 2050, 20, yep. this type of film, you're really going to have to be a film buff or somebody who is into just these type of films to really discover it. So I don't I think that's why I think this is one of the perf- one of the films that's almost perfect for this podcast, uh, because it's a really good film that. People probably didn't catch when they were younger. But I think if they watch now, I think they probably would be into it a little bit more. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. This, that's what happens. You know, it's, it's, there's no, there's no one to blame. There's no one to blame but you, brother. <laughs> no one to blame but me for no reason. <laughs> but at least you watched it. That's good. No, it's good. It's a, it's a, it's a great film. Fall would Dream you recommend it?
0: Yeah. I think you're right that it's timeless. I don't think there's really any kind of, other than, you know, Peter uses a payphone. Which it's like, what are those those things? (laughs) But uh, other than that, I think that it actually, you know, it works as a timeless film. The story, the characters, the odd jobs that he does, there's nothing in it that is inherently
1: 90s. It's not filmed in a way that's inherently 90s. But see, like, to your point, like, I know that there's small towns in the United States that are still like this. There's still a handyman that works everywhere. I'm sure there's a dive bar. I'm sure there's a dive bar that still has a payphone in it. Like, you know, like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's never going to go away.
0: Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. The payphone might not work, but it'll always be
1: there. Well, I think that, (laughs) I think that the small town life, like that kind of life is never going to go away because number one, that's just what people know and people like. And number two, I think a lot of people... Seek that out because it's just, 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 so much of everything everywhere that you, you know, you need a place where it's just kind of like, can we just? Oh yeah, things some down? people love that right. small town right. life, absolutely, right. right. And I think, I think you're right in the timelessness.
0: I also think you're right that, unfortunately, you know, Paul Newman passed away a little while ago now, and a lot of the cast is older. And like you said, as you go further in time, the prestige films by these actors, where these actors are the selling point. Causes them to kind of fall by the wayside. Right. And that's like, I agree that that's unfortunate, but that is kind of the way of the world. Yeah. The only ah, films that kind of survive are the ones that are the big, not even just the prestige films, the prestige films, the big action films, but the films that their stories make an impact. Mm -hmm. The films where the characters make an impact are so, I think, inherently tied to the actors. That when the actors, unfortunately, start to go backwards in time and you kind of lose them you lose those films. Yeah. But that's why we're here, like he's
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, Also, you know, Robert Benton is, uh, he won an Oscar for Kramer vs. Kramer and that's a, a really, it's a sad film, but it's a really good film.
0: That's a, that's a film school movie. This yeah. is not
1: really a film. But Robert Benton is somebody yeah. who's also, you know, uh, this is the type of, this is why I watch like the Criterion Channel. Like the, the that that's why I watch, you know, or go to TCM, I try to find an older film because it's like, you know, it's, he, he, I want to watch the stuff that was before the stuff we're watching now. You, do you know what the I mean? stuff that inspired it. Yeah, the that exactly. You there's, there's, yeah. Like you, how they talk about like, you know, no story, all the stories have been told, like that kind of idea that. They're just kind of different versions. Yes. Of well, story right? I want to see when, I want to see the earlier ones. Yeah. But, but that's me. And, and that's not for everyone. It may not be for you. And it may not be for you who's listening to this podcast right now. Um, mm-hmm. Mike, about this podcast, where can they find us? <sighs>
0: You can find us on ForgottenEntertainment.com or uh, anywhere on social medias at Forgotten Cinema or Forgotten Cinema Pod, depending on where you are. Uh, you can also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. YouTube is a big <laughs> podcast place, apparently, I've been told. So go check us out there. Uh, we're, we're everywhere. Give us a, a rating, a subscription, uh, a comment. Whatever you do, it always helps the metrics, I guess, and, <laughs> and, and helps us get us right. and helps us grow. So <laughs> go ahead and do that and just um, go to the Forgotten Cinema, it's called Forgotten Cinema presents the lobby he renamed it or something like that. It's just yes, yeah, forgotten cinema's lobby. So if you want to see Nobody's Fools or or you have to, want to talk about it or movies like Nobody's Fool that you think also fell by the wayside, talk to us about it there. We'd love to hear uh your suggestions, your comments, your opinions on the film. Uh let us know unless you want to talk crap about Paul Newman and then Whoa,
1: whoa. Who's catch talking crap hands. about Paul Newman? nobody we'll, better. We'll, uh there'll be some words. <laughs> <laughs> and Jonas, we're actually next week we're going to actually stay in the year of 1994. Way to go Butler. Way to pick. Uh we're this is gonna your be last do- kids' movie on our list. <laughs> this is not fully animated, right? It's animated and live it's action book ended with live action. okay we're doing the. is it The pagemaster or pagemaster? I think it's just pagemaster pagemaster. I'm really not looking forward to this, but we're doing pagemaster next week. Have you never seen it? uh I mean you were probably too I, old here's for the it. thing I've I but saw certainly I saw some it. of it, and I probably was like, no, pass like because I'd probably turned it off. You might appreciate it more now, having had kids Will i I don't know yeah, crap is crap. <laughs> i'm not saying it's crap but i have not i do not i remember him changing i remember the wizard thing right i remember the book opening i remember the, up. i remember the book friends he had but i don't remember most of this i don't remember what the plot is. he he turns he, he becomes still, animated in a library
0: right he gets a magic book in the library i remember his that his friends are books based on f- famous books
1: oh really what oh okay. and he gets sucked into all these classic stories all right yeah, I remember. Yeah, okay. Well, that's next week. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing Page Masters. So uh, I got nothing else. Um, you got anything else to add? No. All right. I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. Do
0: you got my snowblower?